It's time to continue what we started last week as we talk about types of discomfort that we manufacture in our heads and are likely to run away from when we're not being weakless. Let's go. Self-care isn't easy. It requires doing hard things. Being uncomfortable is mandatory. It's not for the weak and it's not for the fragile. But that's okay. We don't mind because we are weakless. Hey everybody, welcome back to A Moment of Weakless, episode 10. We are in double digits, which I think is kind of cool. I'm having a really good time with this podcast and I hope you're learning a lot. Last week we started a two-part series here where we're talking about types of discomfort that exist only inside our heads and only once we decide that they exist. So we have external inputs that come in and... We use those to create certain mindset, mind states, if you will, that we then oftentimes will want to run from or medicate and end up kind of trashing our self-care. Last week, we talked about overwhelm and stress. And if you haven't heard episode nine, you should start there because I really laid the foundation for everything that we're talking about here. And this week, we're just going to jump right into more of these mindset, mind state thought types. And the first one that we need to go into is perfectionism. And perfectionism is an interesting one because it is so, so common and it's sort of a leveler of self-care. People will apply it specifically to their self-care, especially people that come from like a long history of a dieting mentality and weight loss attempts where they had a lot of extrinsic motivations. And they'll do things like try to create streaks. So they say, I'm going to eat healthier. And then they end up eating a cookie and they throw the baby out with the bathwater instead of learning from that situation and trying to figure out, okay, what was the exact thought that made me flip from, I want self-care to screw it. I'm going to eat this cookie. You know, you could dig into that and do some real work. And most people don't because of perfectionism. It's this, I've ruined everything. I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm not like those people type mentality. But perfectionism as a whole is what we need to talk about today because it doesn't really matter what the subject is. Perfectionism is just kind of a joke. First off, it it definitely always means that you're not using a growth mindset, that you're stuck in a fixed mindset, and you're sort of testing yourself. So you are going to try to do something, and maybe you don't even start because you've convinced yourself that you can't do it perfectly. And why would you ever do anything that you can't do perfectly, especially if there are going to be other people watching? I mean, dear God, people will see me make mistakes. And that mentality is super, super common. And it, like I said, happens when you are either thinking about doing something and then not doing it, or you've already started something or finished something. And now you're telling yourself that you didn't do it perfectly and you're beating yourself up. So one thing I want to make clear is that perfectionism is not a desire to do things perfectly. That's a huge mistake that most people make when they are trying to understand perfectionism in themselves. Perfectionism is not a desire to do things perfectly. Perfectionism is the abuse that you level upon yourself when you don't do something perfectly or you don't think you're going to do something perfectly. And 99% of the time, in my experience, these are things that can't even be measured Like somebody might say, I'm not the perfect mom. 
well, what the heck does that mean? Could we honestly take, you know, 10,000 women into a lab and test them and come out and go, here it is. This is the standard. This is the perfect mom. Of course not. Because some people are going to think that the perfect mom is a fun mom. Others are going to think it's a more strict mom. Others might think that it's a philosophical and deep mom that you can always go to for advice. There are just myriad ways to look at this. And there's no way to say that I'm the perfect mom. But what people will do here is they'll go, well, okay, maybe there are lots of different kinds of perfect moms, but I'm none of those. I'm not a perfect mom of any kind. I'm definitely a flawed mom. And nonetheless, you're still just applying opinions. All of this is just opinions. Everybody out there gets to decide whether or not they think you're the perfect mom because this isn't measurable in a laboratory. Since there are no facts here, this is a manufactured state. One place where we'll really see this is with meditation. People will start meditating and they've never meditated before. They have no idea what meditation should feel like. After the very first meditation, though, they're telling themselves that they're bad at it. They're telling themselves that they're probably never going to be good at it or they're the type of person, fixed mindset, type of person who can't meditate. And you've never been another person and sat down and meditated. And you've especially never been another person for months on end and sat down and meditated to feel all the different ways that meditation can feel. So you're taking this sort of nebulous list of instructions and the instructions are, you know, they sound succinct, but once you sit down and do them, you find that meditation is something that's really hard to describe in English. And next thing you know, you're making up standards. You're going, I am a pro at understanding meditation, and I know exactly what it should be, and I'm not doing that. So I suck. And some people know that they're perfectionists, and they know that this is throughout their life. They are constantly finding ways to apply perfectionism to themselves, and others don't really think of themselves as perfectionists, but still oftentimes do it. And it's just this made up standard situation where you're fabricating something out of thin air because you don't really know what perfect is or could be. And then even if you do know what perfect is, you're pretending that perfect is absolutely essential. And that is not a growth mindset. We've talked about that before. A fixed mindset is the mindset that says that everything must be done perfectly and mistakes should be avoided. And if you have a day that has enough perfectionism in it, there's a darn good chance you're going to finish that day saying things that are just so, so sad. Like, I'm so glad that day's over. As if you have a ton of days, you don't. You have a very finite amount of days. And here you are being glad that one is over. And you're, you know, ready to throw away some of your finite moments in this life. And then there's also a good chance that you're going to want to get out of your own head. You made this perfectionism. It was not mandatory. Nothing forced it upon you. It was completely a choice. But cookies or wine is what you're going to need to get out of that. If you're not weakless, you don't have the mindfulness to be able to stop and catch perfectionism, look at it and go, hey, what am I doing here? And now you've wrecked your self-care. Now you're kicking your self-care in the teeth as if your body is somehow responsible for the fact that you make up a bunch of crap in your head. Another thought type that falls in this category, but that's completely different from perfectionism is boredom. Boredom is something that we have to choose. There is no state of being in which we could say when X, Y, and Z happen, a person is guaranteed to be bored. That's impossible. Because sometimes you could be sitting, staring at a blank wall, doing absolutely nothing, 
completely relieved for the downtime or just enjoying some slow time in your life, some opportunity to just sit and daydream, to just catch your breath. Maybe you haven't even been that busy. Maybe you're somebody who can really enjoy just being introspective and reflective. Maybe you're enjoying some past memories. Maybe you're doing some planning in your head. And yet from the outside, you would look exactly like a person who could say that they are bored. I've heard it said, I think Sam Harris said it the first time I ever heard it, that mindfulness is the end of boredom because a really mindful person always has lots of stuff to do inside their head. But the gist of what I'm trying to get to here, because none of us are going to become mindfulness Jedis by just, you know, pushing that button or throwing a switch that takes years and years of practice. But the point I'm trying to get to here today is that boredom is never a fact. It's never measurable. It's never something where we could just say this happens and then a person is bored. We can't take 10 people into a lab, put them in certain conditions and then force boredom upon each of them at the exact same moment. There's no way to run that experiment. You put people in a room with absolutely nothing to do and everybody is going to decide that they're bored at different moments because decide is the key word there. So boredom is something that makes people eat junk food like crazy. It's as if eating crap is some sort of activity, like it's fun. And really what they're trying to get is a dopamine hit there. You know, people are typically never bored. God, I'm so bored. I just need a big bowl of broccoli. That never happens. You're looking for something that's going to be highly palatable and give you a big dopamine hit because you're basically going, I'm bored. Where's my favorite drug? And again, boredom is totally a choice. You're choosing to be bored. And I know that our parents all told us this, that only boring people are bored or some other dumb cliche that just kind of shot in one ear and out the other. But the bottom line is that it is absolutely like stress, perfectionism, and overwhelm, and that it doesn't exist until you say it, until you feel it, until you go, I am now bored, and you pretend that that's been forced upon you. You pretend that things made that happen. And if that's the case, while we know that boredom is a choice, then who the heck is driving your bus? Somebody else is pulling the strings? Somebody else is saying, and now we're going to do all these things to you. And now you don't have a choice. You will be bored. That's nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. And the state of boredom is something that most people will run away from because it's uncomfortable. If you can't be weakless in that moment and look at that boredom, you end up doing things that you regret to get away from something that you had to agree to. It could not be handed to you or forced upon you, you had to reach out and take it and go, yeah, I'll have that boredom. Thank you. And finally, our last thought type in this series is worry. And worry is future projected rumination. And we probably could talk about all rumination here, but we'll stick to worry because it's the easiest to understand. We'll probably talk more about rumination at some point in the future. But worry is the act of using your imagination in order to feel bad. And it is absolutely a choice. My good friend, Robert Beeswastiner, psychologist friend of mine who over the years has really helped me understand a lot of the stuff that uh, we ferreted out together that I'm teaching you here. He one time said, he gave me this analogy and said, you've got two wives waiting at home for their husbands to get home. Outside, it is super stormy and lightning and thunder and 
and tons of water on the road, and he's driving on a windy road to get home. And one wife has said, hmm, I wonder where he's at. Well, I'm sure he'll be fine and stops, doesn't think any more about it and just waits to see. And the other wife is telling herself that he has already wrecked, that there was a tree down on the road. He swerved to miss it. He's in a ditch someplace and he is slowly bleeding out, dying alone while there's nobody there to help him. And now she and the kids are going to be left to their own devices without their wonderful husband and father. Which husband gets home faster? You see the point? Worry does what? And the thing that most people will do is if you're that second wife and your husband comes home, you'll go, oh, I worried for nothing. Ha ha. No, no, not ha ha, not ha ha. Because even after he gets home, there's a good chance that you're drained and you might still want that wine and cookies if you haven't already gotten it out. And even if you don't, you threw away, you burnt down, burnt to the ground many moments of your life. Well, you have a very finite amount of moments. You said, I don't need these. I will feel awful because I'm going to imagine things. So worry is always a situation in which you don't have facts and you're making stuff up. Now, please understand that we're not talking about problem solving. If you have a situation coming up that could go sour on you and you got choice A or B to make, you probably should know what you will do in both situations. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the injection of emotion into that situation. Now you're feeling a bunch of things. Now you're telling yourself stories about what could happen and you're going all the way down these pathways, not in a problem solving mode, but in a mode that says, this is going to be awful. Everything's terrible. And humans already have a negativity bias. We have that sort of hardwired into us because as hunter gatherers, it was a survival mechanism. For example, if, you know, things are starting to look bad, you probably should assume that they're going to go worse and have a plan. But that doesn't mean that we need to sit around and freak out about these things. And the freaking out part is the part that destroys self-care. People who are perpetually worried, like they're just constantly finding the next thing to worry about, it's almost as if they have a worry bucket and it doesn't matter what they put in there. If they're worried about their finances and they suddenly come into money, they will just find something else to stuff in their worry bucket and worry more as they tote this bucket around with them all day. So people who are like that, in my experience, really, really struggle with self-care. And as a matter of fact, they never really even get started. They get about as far as perfectionists. They go for a very short period of time and then they throw the baby out with the bathwater. The perfectionists are stopping because they're telling themselves that they can't do this well enough but the worriers are stopping because they're just constantly overwhelmed. They're trying to take on a bunch of new stuff that admittedly is really hard. It is not easy to do self-care. Self-care is hard. And you're trying to take it on in a life that you're making so much harder already by making up a bunch of stuff. Everything's absolutely terrible. Well, what's terrible if we asked you? You'd tell us about a bunch of stuff that might happen. Not a bunch of stuff that's actually happening, but a bunch of stuff that might happen. And that's why it's all terrible. This thing, so-and-so is going in for this surgery and they're certainly going to have like four amputations and live another week. It, all of that is useless until you have the facts. Now, everything that we're talking about here is getting a little bit advanced in how you have to deal with this stuff with mindfulness. And I'll be giving you more of that information, you know, in doing the work. It's kind of going to be a theme throughout this entire podcast. But today, I just want these things on your radar. I want you to understand when 
discomfort is being completely manufactured by you. And what you're going to find is that's most of your discomfort. 95 to 99% of the discomfort you feel in any day will be psychological. And I would guess that 95 to 99 of that psychological discomfort that you experience in any day will be this kind of stuff. The stuff that you just make up, you know, and there are other things like sitting around thinking about embarrassments that you had a year ago until you feel bad. That's just one more example. And we will be talking about lots of these over the course of this podcast, but there are just so many situations in which we can be fine and make ourselves uncomfortable when if someone was watching from the outside, they would have no idea what was going on. You're sitting there with a smile on your face. Suddenly you look worried and anxious. And the next thing you know, you're shoveling Oreos into your face to try to feel better. And whoever was watching you would be going, I have no idea what just happened. It looked fine a minute ago. And all you did is think a bunch of stuff. Your self-care suffers because you think a bunch of stuff. And we all do this. So this is the kind of stuff you have to start looking for. People want to go out and just find the next diet. They want to find the next plan. They want to get somebody to tell them how to exercise and start jumping on a scale every day. And this is the stuff that's tearing them down. This is the stuff that's making it so that they will never stay consistent with anything. Oh yeah, but the next plan's the answer. No, it's not. If we're going to be weakless, we have to be weakless when it comes to this stuff. We have to be able to look worry in the eye and go, hey, you know what, worry? You are a longtime resident around here. You have been here a long time and I understand that you are well ingrained into my mind and you're really uncomfortable, but I'm going to start sitting with you and looking right at you and asking questions, asking questions like, what is this worry for? If I worry enough, will my problem go away? If I worry enough, will the right thing end up happening out of these two options that could happen? No. Okay, so I need to start setting these thoughts aside. And of course, they come back and then you do more work on them. You do it again and you do it over and over again and you fight for it. You fight for it because that's what separates the women from the girls and the men from the boys. You push back against those thought patterns until you myelinate new thought patterns in your head. And then these old thought patterns become very rare. And guess what? It's super easy to take care of yourself. Go kick this stuff around. I've got more goodness coming for you next week and uh, we'll talk to you then. Take care.